as we're all gathering back together. So glad that you're here. This morning, I, uh, I have some friends who are here to minister the word today. And, uh, but I want to begin with uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, Paul writes to the church at Rome, a place that he had not, we had, from what we understand, he had not, by the time they're reading this, he had not personally been with them. But listen to Romans 1, 11 and 12. For I long to see you. Yes. You would say, be with you. Just say, be with you. Be with I long to be with you so that I might impart some spiritual gift to you that you might be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, yours and mine. Paul's writing a letter to, to the church, and it's what he's saying is although they're receiving the letter, and how many of you know that they probably were glad to receive it? How many of you have benefited from reading the Bible? That's, again, once again, you answered better than 9 a.m. did. What did I say? We have a lot of church services here. I mean the one last night, yeah. Uh, whatever night, whatever day that was. Uh, but the, so, the, so there's a lot in the book of Romans that is powerful, and Paul definitely wants to share something with them, and there's a lot that can be shared, you know, and, and by, through the written word, right? But there's something that's different. It's not, so that whatever he was sharing with them when he was going to be with them was in addition to, it wasn't like, I'm holding out on you. I'm going to give you some more secrets when I'm with you. He wasn't going to come to bring them a heavy revy, some peekaboo secret word. He's, they, he was going to tell them what he wanted to tell them. But when but he was with them, it was going to be a collision of their faith. Yes. And as their faith came together, there would be a, they would mutually benefit. And this is why, every once in a while I just want to remind us, he said, Dad, why would you have someone come? Well, if, if I wanted my friend just to share just information, I could have said, hey, would you write them an email and I'll read it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's not about information per se. It's about the, the Lord, the way he has built the, our, the body of Christ is for us to benefit from the exchange of faith. It is really good. So I need to tell you that again, let you swallow it, okay? The Lord has designed us to benefit from the exchange of faith. So as I'm going to invite my friends to come today, but what I want to make sure that you do is you prepare yourself to listen and receive for faith and also meet that with your faith so that we can all benefit and be enriched, be established, strengthened by that. Now, who in the world's coming? The, this is, my friend Colin and his wife, Lindsay, are coming to, to, to say hello, and Colin's going to speak this morning. I have spent a total of about plus, plus or minus 10 actual physical days, well, not including this week, with Colin. I, I, we, we met in class in our PhD work at the, at the seminary, and uh, I uh, began poking him. I'm not kidding, like poking him like, hey, 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 I want to be your friend. Hey, hey, hey. And uh, it, it took him to week two to kind of warm up. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but there was a right away just the sense I just, you guys probably don't know this, but some of you know, I, be, I can have an immediate sense of, yep, that person is going to be my friend. There's, a, there's an unction there. This is in the spirit. There's something here. And I felt that. And, uh, uh, and then over time, uh, the last couple of years, 
uh, with the way, you know, you, some of you are aware things went a little south a year ago or so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, and so there was a lot of visual interaction or virtual interaction, right? So Cole and I spent a lot of time going back and forth on Marco Polo. It's a social media thing. One person Marco's the other Marco Polo. They go back and forth with video. It's fun. <laughs> but over the over time, as we're going back and forth and talking about our faith and our and our and our hunger for the word. So Colin is a is a guy that I I love Colin for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is is I is is. I find a kindred spirit who lives fresh off the page. <laughs> we love to live fresh off the page. We love the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And, I, and, this, and this was the kicker for me, was as we're going back and forth, and a couple of years ago, we were spending time, we were spending time in 10 days in prayer and fasting for this, for this house. And during that time, we were going back and forth just about other things. But all of a sudden, I get this message from him with his big Texas tears falling down his cheeks praying for this house believing and seeing for revival and and breakthrough for this house so i said well that about sums it up that's gonna that seals it for me you're gonna have to come and just share that heart if you're praying from missouri with that kind of fervency and affection for this house come and share your heart so i've asked them to come today because we want our faith to collide and be strengthened by it. Amen? Amen. So would you please welcome my friends, Colin and Lindsay Cressman. Praise the Lord. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> this is my wife, Lindsay. She is going to awe you for just a moment. <laughs> We're so excited to be with you all. As Pastor Dav said, there's just a bond that um, he and Cullen have begun and shared, and now we get to spend time with his family this week, and we get to spend time with his family this week, and we are, we're ecstatic. We're so glad to be here. The presence of God is in this house. I hope that you feel that, and if you've never felt that before, this is the place to feel it. The Spirit of God, Jesus, can do anything. He can do anything in your life that you need him to do. He's here to transform you, and I just pray that you open up your heart and receive that transformation today. We're so glad to be with you. God bless you. Praise God. I like to have my wife say some things to greet all of y'all so that y'all think good things about me. But that is going to be the best uh, speaking you hear, the best looking you see, all of, all of the things. It's going to be the best. It's just downhill now. Um, so just need to get that out of the way, let you know. But you should be impressed with me because I got her. That's what I... Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I got to show her off at the very beginning. This is, you know there's got to be something right. And I think, Pastor Dav, it's more prayer than anything else. I sought the Lord. <laughs> well, I prayed. I tell people, uh, you know... In scripture, it says, and I'm taking this completely out of context, but like Pastor Dev said, I live straight off the page. So I read it on a page somewhere that God will send strong delusion that they would believe a lie. <laughs> and so whenever I met Lindsay, I started thinking, you know, God, could you send her a delusion, a strong delusion? And it worked. He, res- he responds to faith. Um, 
Well, I am so happy to be here with all of you. And as my wife said, the Spirit of the Lord is here. You can feel God's presence. Amen? Amen. So I believe we are going to have a wonderful time together. And I just want to jump right into the Word. And I am going to read an entire psalm to you. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 33, I would like to read this psalm to you. And then we will dig right in. Now, as you're turning there, just got to warn you, as your pastor mentioned, I've been thinking about your church. I don't know any of you, but I, I know you just through the Spirit, just praying. And do you know, so I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you seem like a minister. What I know about this church, even though I haven't met the individual people who make up this body, what I know about this church is that there is revival here. And when you have revival, that means that you have a, an abundance of ministry, an abundance of ministers. So all of you must be just as raring to go as I am. You're ready to get out there, see people's lives changed. Anybody feel that way? Well, let's talk about it. Okay, Psalm chapter 33. We're going to read the whole thing, and I will try to get through it really fast. Not meaning I'll read fast, but with the Lord's help, I won't interrupt myself. So, verse 1. It's what really good preachers do. (laughs) So, (laughs) that was for you. (laughs) Psalm chapter 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Okay? Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Okay, so he just told us, love, love the Lord. Worship him. It's beautiful when you worship him. And he deserves it. It's, everything he does is true and good. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. But then the psalmist goes on to explain, gives us some, some foundation. If you're looking for a reason to praise God, let's talk about it. Verse 6 By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Just the word. Just the word. Just, it just says it right there. Just the word. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. That's some good breath. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He spoke the word and the world was created. His morning breath created everything that we enjoy. What a God. And it says the world should stand in awe, fear him, because he has established, he has done it. Okay? 
move on. I want to preach a whole other message on that one. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. Now you notice we're switching gears here. The psalmist is telling us a story. You have worship is beautiful. I'll give you some reasons for worshiping the creation of the world. And then he gives some warnings. It says, those who think they're a little bit higher than the one who breathed the world. Okay? So he starts giving a little bit of a warning. Brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Do you think you're a people of God? Yes. I sure hope so. I, I'm a people. People of God, his chosen, it's his own inheritance. But everybody else, their plans are going to be of no effect. Then he says, the Lord looks from heaven. Checking it out. Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from the place of his dwelling. He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter if you have guns the size of Pastor Dev. <laughs> telling you what. I'm tall and he gives me a hug and whenever he sees me, he says, oh, you're a big old Texas boy. And I think, I'm not that big. <laughs> but it doesn't matter how much strength you have. Okay, the armies of the world, that's nothing. A horse is a vain hope. Okay, a vain hope. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. You don't hope in horses. That's vain, vain hope. Don't hope in strength of armies. But if you hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Just as we hope in you. We trust in his holy name. Now, I want to see myself as the, the good side of this psalm. That's what we're going to preach today. We're the ones who fall on the mercy of God. We trust in him, not all of the other options that we have in the world. But we're gonna hope in him. And so I want to preach to you for just a few moments that hope has a name. Yes. Hope has a name. Okay? Now the reason I need to say that to you, and this is where I'm gonna be, I was informed that I'm allowed to walk around. <laughs> so we're gonna walk. Okay? 
The reason I say hope has a name, sometimes titles are catchy. And I will admit to you, I'm not the kind of preacher that usually has titles. But I couldn't get away from this one because I needed to capture something and I need to state it here at the very beginning. And when we talk about the name, it's not just an abstract, but we're talking about a person. And when you say hope has a name, hope has a name. My wife has a name. That doesn't mean I'm dreaming of marriage. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm trying to uh, conjure up any kind of relationship. But when I say that there is a name attached, that means there is a person present. Hope is not something that I muster. Hope is not an emotion that I am just sitting and longing. You know, I think of the passage in Matthew where the Sermon on the Mount, it says that, you know, how many of us can add any cubit to your stature just by thinking? We can hope in a lot of things. And sometimes if we're not careful, we get hopeless because we think that we're just supposed to stir up some kind of emotion, positive mental thinking. And I'm a very positive mental thinker. I like thinking on, you know, the, the glass half full kind of side. My wife, I balance her out. I understand. She's had bad luck in life, especially in airports. So whenever we're going through airports, I'm always walking with her and saying, it's okay, babe, I'm with you. We've got this. But it's not an emotion. It's not just positive thinking. It's actually relying on the person walking with you. That hope is actually present. It's outside of you. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, hope is outside of you. Now, it's also in you, but we'll get to that later. But I want to stop for a moment. I want to switch gears because I want to, you know, give some, some food for thought. All of us could agree we look across the world right now, and I think we probably would all say it seems kind of hopeless. You're, you're, you're looking at these things, and if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, I have to watch myself even getting on the news. I want to be informed, but I really don't want to be informed. <laughs> and I wonder, what, what is going to happen? And I have to, to remind myself that it's all going to work out according to the will of the Lord. And I know that despite what it looks like right now, doesn't matter the army, the strength, the plans, the council of the nations. It's all in the Lord's hands. But when I'm looking, I'm wondering, why is the world so hopeless? And then that pushes me even further to ask, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? You're all ministers. I trapped you, see? 
We're all ministers. What do we do to minister to this world? What is the problem? And so I want to take you down a little thought trail. And I think magic is the problem. (laughs) I think witchcraft is the issue. Now, I need to tell you a little story. One of the reasons I'm fascinated and wondering and curious about witchcraft and magic is because, as I said, I like the Bible. And I am a kindred spirit. I want to live right off the page. I like that line. Yeah? Just live right off the page. Okay? I tell, I tell people, you know, you've heard it said, the Bible says it, I believe it. I tell people, the Bible says it, I do it. <laughs> if the Bible says that I'm just going to figure out some way, I told you, you know, I have experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. I've experienced it. Some people say, you know, well, that was just for that time. And I'm thinking, well, I read it and it happened to me. Right. <laughs> I, I read it. And so I'm convinced if I'm ever in a valley and there's a giant across from me, I'm just going to go find five rocks. If I read it, I'm going to do it. It's there. But I love the Bible. So when I'm reading the Bible, something stopped me and I'm just curious about them. And the reason I'm curious is because I've grown up in our modern world. And our modern world tells us that Oh, magic is just an illusion. Forces and, and powers and things like that, that's just, that's, that's just ancient, that's just weirdos in the ancient world. They didn't know any better. We can explain it all. We, we can science it away. We can figure it all out. But the reason I'm curious about it is because I believe the Bible is true. And the Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about it. And so when I read in scripture that there are witches, that there are uh, those that conjure up the spirits and they manipulate and do things and that they actually have power, it makes me wonder. So I want you to think of the story you've heard about Pharaoh, the plagues of Egypt, the deliverance of the people of God. Remember that deliverance. Deliverance is everything. If you want a key to the Bible, deliverance. We start with Genesis because we got to give you a history, but the real point of the Bible is Exodus. You set up the backstory and then Exodus is everything. You can live just preaching about deliverance and I'll get excited about that. Deliverance. But leading up to that deliverance, there's a showdown. So there's a showdown. You have Moses and his puppet Aaron. It's like a ventriloquist. That's what I think of sometimes. He's got... (laughs) Moses needs a spokesperson, so he sends Aaron. But you've got Pharaoh, and it's not just Moses against Pharaoh, but Moses has Aaron, and Pharaoh has magicians. 
Pharaoh has magicians. And it's not just that they're there. They're not just showpieces. It's not just him saying, I got a lot of money, so I, I needed some extra staff members, and I wanted to dress them up and give them a title. But they actually did things. They're right there, and Moses throws down his staff. It becomes a snake. That's already crazy. It's in the Bible. Yeah. Eh? That's what, again, I'm going to do it. If I'm ever in that situation, I'm going to find a stick really fast. <laughs> Throws it down and becomes a snake. But the magicians, they did the same thing. Now, when I was in Sunday school, they said it's okay because Moses' snake ate their snakes. That's only slightly comforting. They still had snakes. They could do things. And it wasn't just the little staff trick. Moses, water into wine, or no, that was Jesus. Moses, water into blood. Magicians, water into blood. They do the first three plagues right alongside Moses. Now, this is where I, I question the intelligence of these magicians. It doesn't make sense that you would, even if you were capable of it, but you're going to do plagues. You know? Your people are already suffering from the plagues that God did and said, well, we can do those plagues too. <laughs> Why didn't you like fix the plague? <laughs> like, if you had the power, why you? Okay? But they had power. They did things. What's very interesting about this story, I want you to see the picture here. This isn't our time where we dismiss all these mystical things, where we try to be, we want to empower our own self by saying magic is just, it's, it's foolish, it's, it's done. It, it was an ancient thing and realize that they witnessed these things. They witnessed the supernatural right there in front of them, both good and bad. Now, how does that make you feel? If you're there in that moment and you see something supernatural like that, what does that do to your head game? I need to pick a side right now. There are powers outside of me. I need to pick a side. There are things outside of me. Stuff can happen. That makes me feel very insecure. If I'm sitting there and I'm watching this showdown, the other side has power. Now, we know that the good guys win. We know that the plagues and everything, we, we've heard those stories. And the big picture of that story is that God is going to be superior. Okay, there are other things. There are activities around the world, but God is superior. We can rest in that. But how do we rest in that? How do we have hope when all kinds of crazy things are happening? How? And I want to get back to this idea of magic. Magic. 
I'm fascinated by it because it's condemned by God. You're not supposed to mess with magic. You're not supposed to mess with sorcery. It's an abomination. That's one of those really good Bible words that I hope never goes out in style because even if you don't know what it means, it just sounds bad. It's an abomination. <laughs> it's bad. You should not. And I think the reason for this is because it goes all the way back to the very beginning. You think of the Garden of Eden. You've got Adam and Eve. They're walking and talking with God Almighty. What a picture. Now, something that just caught my eye is you notice that they know how to talk. They know how to communicate. Eve had a coherent discussion with the serpent. And some of y'all are like, yeah, duh. <laughs> this is important for us to realize because you notice that Eve takes, eats, Adam takes, eats, and their eyes were open and they were ashamed. And they knew good and evil. Now, people will sometimes say, well, there you go. You've got this crazy God and this is what the serpent was selling. God is holding out on you. There's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil and God is holding out on you. If he was a good God, he would give it to you. If he was a good God, he wouldn't be threatened by you. And he would let you have the knowledge of good and evil. But he knows that if you eat it, you won't surely die. But if you eat of the tree, you will be like him. Now, why can I say that I don't think he was holding out on them? They were obviously learning something. They could walk and talk. They had a coherent conversation with this serpent. They were learning something. So do I think God was holding out or do I think they were tricked and they decided to shortcut their relationship with God? I think magic is condemned. You look all through scripture. I think magic is condemned because at its very base, it's a shortcut to powers and goodness that we should depend on the Lord for. How can you have a relationship with God if you only treat him like a blessing vending machine? How can we really trust and hope in him if the only relationship we've ever had with him is punching the numbers in the box, waiting for the goodness to come out? And we rely on him, and that's what blows me away about his mercy and his goodness is that he's fine with that, kind of. I mean, the prophets, he, he got, got to the end of his rope. God has the end of his rope. Read the prophets. <laughs> but we are continually blessed by the mercy of God, even though we are constantly trying to shortcut a real walk and a real dependence on him. And so my question is, 
Are we really out of the sorcery, the witchcraft, and the magic ages? Or are they just a new type of magic? I think the enemy is quite intelligent. And I think we, now I don't mean we as in we, I mean we as a society, a very intelligent, smart Western society. We've rationalized and reasoned away all mystical things. But what if it's just us because we realize that if there's a power outside of us, again, just like the story of Pharaoh, makes us vulnerable. You got to pick a side. I'm not in control. And what do we all want? Control. And so if I can say that witchcraft isn't real, that puts me in control. That makes me feel a sense of security. Those crazy things don't happen. What if the enemy has allowed us to buy this lie, keep this lie, because he knows that we've just conjured up our own form of modern day witchcraft? Now, I'm working from the principle here. I'm not working from the bippity-boppity-boo. But the principle of witchcraft is the principle of magic, that God hates magic because it is a shortcut. What are all of the shortcuts that we've created in our world today that we do not need God? That we do not look to God? That we don't actually depend on God. Honestly. You go to a place of worship because we want to feel cool? Do we go to a house of worship? Do we find an altar because we want to uh, feel a sense of belonging? Those are byproducts that are good. But why do I find an altar? Why should I make it a habit every day to create an altar in my own home. Why must I find a place of worship? Is because I am showing and I am identifying my hope. I only depend on Jesus Christ. I will not buy into all of the other forms of worship in our world today. I'm not talking about other Christian groups. I'm not talking about a Christian message or other religions. I'm talking about the subtle witchcraft in our culture. Come to my office and I can sell you some drugs and you don't need to depend on the Lord. Come to my gathering. Now, I need to give you a prefacing statement. I don't have any problem with people doing healthy things because it's good for them. I think we should be stewards of our temple. I'm a college professor and I teach college students and I was amazed. There was like 30 to 40 of them that started witnessing to each other. Oh, it was exciting. They started coming one by one. It was like wildfire. They're going one by one and inviting each other. They're waking up at 4.30 in the morning and they're all gathering together. They get dressed up, and they show up all together, and the good time starts. Every morning they were doing this, and the group was getting larger and larger. They were making disciples. 
larger and larger and larger. It was occupying their, they had to change their sleep schedule so they could wake up early enough. Man. And it was all for a cycling club. Worshiping. It was a house of worship. I told them that one day. They didn't appreciate it too much, but all the principles were there. Where do I spend my money? Where do I spend my time? Where do I invest my dependence, my hope? What am I trying to reach for when things go wrong? What's my go-to? The great and mighty Lord Google. Give me the answer so I can diagnose myself. I want to tell you today, we have to be ministers in this world. How do we answer a world that has so many altars? We think witchcraft, the pagans, they're gone. But they're not. There's so many altars you could worship at today. So many things that you could invest your heart and soul into today. We have to be a light that shows them where hope really is. We have to embody that. And so I want to read... Oh, before we, before we read, I need to set you up. How are we doing on time? I need to close down. Oh, man. Moses getting prepared for his showdown is nervous. And he says, who am I supposed to say sent me? And the Lord says, I am. I am. And when we say the Old Testament name of God, we say Yahweh. And the meaning of the name Yahweh is he is. And when he tells us who he is, he says, I am. And we say, he is. Yeah, I am. He is. You've heard Jehovah Shalom. He is my peace. He is. So when we think about it, we say he is. Fill in the blank. And what's so cool about this name is that it develops over time. Not because he's any different. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But as we experience him, it develops. And so you have, like I said, Exodus, it's everything. You have there in Exodus, the Lord says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, I was not fully known to them. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they didn't know him? No, they knew him. But they were about to know him in a completely different way. He is my deliverance. They've seen him as the creator. They've seen him as the one who calls them out. But now they're about to see him as the one who delivers. And now we read, so I I will save time here. We read the scripture already this morning in Isaiah. You have this whole picture of Isaiah talking and, and he's proclaiming the future. He talks about Emmanuel in chapter seven. You have, he's God with us. You have here in 
uh, Isaiah 9, where we read this morning that unto us, a child, a child, everything. And where does this all come together? Where do we need a conclusion here this morning? Matthew 1.21, you've got Mary and Joseph. Mary is pregnant. What in the world is supposed to happen? And an angel comes to Joseph and says, don't worry, calm down. It's all going to be good. He says that she is going to be pregnant and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Why are you going to call him Jesus? What does the name of Jesus mean? Yahweh means he is. Why does he now say Jesus? Jesus means Yahweh has become our salvation. Yahweh has become our savior. So he says, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I want our musicians to come join me. I got to do that to give you hope. Later on in Matthew, Jesus is, is doing miracles and people are questioning him. It's a pretty typical day for Jesus. But what's interesting is that you have this quote from Matthew. He quotes Isaiah. This is Matthew chapter 12, verse 15. He says, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. He healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory and his name, the Gentiles will hope. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Now, all of us here this morning, we're, we're part of that Gentile group. A lot of separation in time and space. I'm not talking about actual lineage. I'm saying as far as the covenant of God goes, we are all those scattered nations and do you know that it was confirmed in the book of Acts? They're having a council trying to figure out what to do with all these people. Revival is happening. And James gets up and he quotes scripture. He says that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. And when you're calling on the name of Jesus, hope has a name. The problems, the things that we face, the competing, the conflicting altars all around our world right now. You realize that they are real? They have real effect. And I would want to ask if all of you could stand with me this morning. I'm not denying the emotional effect. I'm not even denying the ability for some to to work some healing things out in your life. Go and see different people and seek out different ways of comfort. That's all around our world. These altars are all around our world. 
But we have a message. We have a hope that is actually more powerful. They could only, the magicians only did three. They can only satisfy for so long. They can't actually save your soul. Hope is not something that we conjure up, but hope is a person that walks with us. Hope is Jesus Christ that he will be with us. And he said, don't worry, I'm not just going to depart and leave you hopeless. I'm gonna come to you. I'm gonna be in you. Now y'all know where you go, we go. Where you go, we go. But where we go, Jesus goes. Where we go, Jesus goes. We have a message of hope for this world. And I want to encourage you this morning that it starts right here in this house right now. Right now. Maybe you have been depending on other things in your life. Maybe you have been wondering, and I could testify to you, and I could tell you of stories of people being miraculously healed. I can also tell you of testimonies of people that have been healed from depression, healed from addiction, things that people don't see on the outside. I have seen the Lord put marriages back together. I have seen the Lord pull abusive anger right out of the heart of a man. I have seen Jesus Christ do things that nobody else can do in this world. Now, if you need that, if you need something to depend on this morning, I wanna invite you to come up to the front. We got space here. We've got, we've got some good space here. I wanna invite you to come up to the front and we will pray with you. You won't be alone. People will be here to pray with you and to call down the name of Jesus over whatever the situation will be. No matter what the situation, because we know he's here. Hope is here. No matter what the situation is, I want you to make your way forward and I'm going to begin to pray. Come on, let's pray right now. And as I begin to pray, I want you to just let the Lord lead you. Come to the front. Feel the presence of the Lord. Whatever your situation is, you can bring it to the Lord right now and we're going to pray. Jesus, right now, I ask that you would be with us, dwelling with us right now in this room. Jesus, we give you recognition and I know that there isn't anything good in my life that didn't come from anybody else but you. Jesus, your word says that all good things come from you from above. And so Jesus, right now, I know that you've done things in the past. And so I turn my heart and my attention to you right now as we bring our needs before you. Jesus, we cry out to you, your name. We cry out and ask for you to be in our lives, our situations. Jesus, right now, I call down your blessings on your people that you would be with us and that you would see us and that you would hear us. And Lord, right now, every broken body in this room, we want them to be in your hand. Jesus, every broken heart right now in this room, we want them to be in your hand. Jesus, right now, we proclaim that every psychological issue Jesus, every form of anxiety, every form of depression, every form of addiction, anger, hatred, Jesus, any kind of abuse or dependence, we put it all in your hand and cover it with your name, Jesus. Lord, let us feel your presence here today as we pray. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. You can come forward and pray. If you do not have a prayer request, make this house a house of prayer right now and pray with one another for your brothers and sisters that are seeking the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, let's do that now. If you want to come, we have people that will come and pray with you. But come now if, if if you want a response. Otherwise, please do just intercede in your seat. We're going to turn this into just a sweet time of prayer. We love you all so much. Lord, we just thank you for hope, that hope has a name. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. We love you this morning. We're going to continue to pray in here. If you would like to be released or get your kids or or go have coffee, we just bless you to do that. And, And go and be hope to people in your world this week. We love you.